So the big question is this. How do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top? How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? And what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently? These are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to. This is the podcast where I have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets. My name is Hisham Azuz. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. This podcast is sponsored and supported by my good friends at Hunted. Last year, Hunted helped over 300,000 recruiters all across the world. They're dedicated to improving not just the industry, but your place within it. If you want to be a better recruiter, have more resilience, see greater success in your recruitment career, or simply change jobs or country, then you need to check out hunted.com. I'd love you to check it out and let me know what you think. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and today I'm in... Another WeWork, been in quite a few WeWorks doing these. Um, and I'm joined by Sophie Allen, who is a business development director at Venetrix. And Venetrix are a specialist recruitment agency that places SDRs into SaaS companies. Sophie, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, so obviously we were just having a bit of a chat before we started. Where I always like to start on this show is how did uh, Sophie Allen enter the lovely world of recruitment? Let's start there. So I was living in Manchester in the summer of 2012, um, having just finished university there. Um, So started working in a burger bar in Manchester called Almost Famous, which is based in the Northern Quarter. Okay, nice. Um, And got to the point after about three months of doing that where I decided I wanted to do something that was a bit more regular hours, nine to five, Monday to Friday, office based. Um, So applied for a couple of things online, got called by loads of recruiters. Mm. um, And one of them was um, a guy called George that used to work at a company called Celsius. Okay. Um, So he basically invited me to an assessment day, Mm. which was for a sales job for Virgin Media. Okay. Um, I had no idea what sales was. Didn't really know what Virgin Media was. (laughs) uh, Definitely didn't know what recruitment was. Yeah. Uh, Pitched up to the assessment day. Um... Must have done something right because at the end of the day, Virgin didn't choose me, but um, the found well, the director of Celsius at the really? time um, sat me down at the end of the day and said, "Have you ever thought about working in recruitment?" Um, I said pretty much not. all the yeah, <laughs> obviously not said all the wrong things about what I was looking for in an opportunity. Sure. Um, was like really really naive, didn't have a clue about the world of business. Um, went back in the next day for a final stage interview. Mm. Um, somehow convinced them to give me the job really? and then started working there pretty much the following week. Awesome. So what I'm always interested so I know when I got into recruitment I didn't end up I didn't find myself in one of these assessment days. What mm-hmm. what was did you have to do anything a bit interesting in this assessment day like I think the one that I had on, the, on one of the episodes recently was um, if you're in a hot air balloon, like you need to sell yourself to everyone as to why you've got to stay on it or something like that. Yeah, I think it was a similar thing. It was such a long time ago now really? that I can't remember the specifics. But yeah, it was very much, um, 
Like, did you did people get like cut as you were doing it, sort of thing? Yeah, like they did, and Fair I enough. couldn't believe that I was still there at the end of it really? because, like I said, I was completely clueless. <laughs> and I remember there was another girl there who was also called Sophie, who was like amazing on the day. Yeah. So everything she did, I kept thinking in my head, right? I'm just going to copy what she's doing, <laughs> and then hopefully nice. I'm going to get through to <laughs> Love the end. That. Um, what? So always, always interested to hear people's thoughts. Like, how? What was your perception of recruitment at that point? Like, obviously, as you said, it was a bit naive. Yeah. Um, obviously, didn't didn't obviously know recruitment was an option but like what was, what was your perception at that point um I don't think I had one to be really? honest I didn't have a clue what it was a guy that I was living with at the time worked in recruitment okay. but I didn't really understand what his job was yeah and then after I got the um offer of the final stage interview with Celsius I went home and googled what is recruitment what, is recruitment? what do recruiters <laughs> do so that I'd actually have some answers to the questions in the interview <laughs> um, <laughs> and um just to sort of frame up then so so you ended up obviously joining Celsius yeah and then you worked there for how long um about three and a half years okay cool so real solid first in in recruitment right yes yeah so yeah. first job so and um, what did um Celsius do so they placed graduates into sales jobs within the tech sector. Okay. Um, and when I joined, they were based uh, only in Manchester. Only in Manchester, cool. And then um, I moved to London with the company to help them open their office in London. Cool. So always love talking to people about their uh, first year in recruitment. Yeah. The early days. It's uh, typically the hardest. It's definitely mm -hmm. really hard for me. So um, what... What did you find yourself doing in those sort of uh, first year or so? Was it was you just sourcing candidates or did you get straight on the BD side? What? Yeah, so when I first joined, my sole um, objective was to invite graduates to the assessment days that we were running. Okay. Um, so we ran an assessment day, I think it was every Wednesday. Um, oh, sorry, we ran two assessment days a week, actually, one in Manchester and then one later on in the South. Okay. Um, and we were given KPIs on a day-to-day -day basis based around uh, confirming a number of candidates for the assessment day. Okay. So I was understanding what the different jobs we were recruiting for were mm. and then trying to invite candidates, essentially, to sure. come to the day. And then, so then how did it... How did it typically work then? So like, um, so you were telling graduates to go to an assessment day. There was then, so then would the people, would the employers be there? Like, um, or was it, was you guys then obviously get people that you thought, well, actually these people are great. And then you'd speak to them about different companies. Yeah, that's how it would work. Uh, yeah, okay. sometimes employers were there, but not very often back okay. then. So, so it's basically for you guys to go, right, so let's get... 30, 50 people in the room exactly and then yeah. work out yeah who's, who's definitely up for this who's not who'd be great who'd, yeah. who wouldn't be and then what and then you would then speak to clients about particular people so in the first year I wouldn't speak to any of the clients okay. I just sometimes get the opportunity to like take feedback off a client about a candidate or something like that sure. um but it was predominantly inviting people to the assessment day and then once they've been successful prepping them for different interviews yeah, yeah okay how so how how did you get paid then like so um, I guess it would still be the same it would just be once that candidate's placed yeah exactly oh, okay so you didn't it wasn't incentivized to get people to the assessment center no contrary <laughs> to what a lot of people think about assessment days no that, yeah, was, yeah, that yeah. wasn't um we weren't incentivized like that how what, what it's really interesting I think what was um because I've had so I've been running obviously I had the experience recently running an event for the podcast and been involved in this sort of similar scenario in my previous job um like, what was the typical dropout rate with stuff like that? Was it quite high? Um, well, with our assessment days now, I'd say it's a lot lower. Yeah. Um, back then, it was probably a lot higher because really? we spent a lot of time convincing candidates that they wanted to work in sales. Yeah. Um, whereas now, I think it's a much more... Um, 
profession, career choice. Exactly, yeah. It's yeah, a, yeah. it's a, an industry that people actually want to get into once they leave university. Yeah. So back then, I'd say it was probably a lot higher. I remember on one of the first assessment days that I'd invited candidates to, I had seven dropouts in a row on the morning really? of the assessment day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... First, so the first year then really focused on candidates like how was that experience for you then was it was it difficult did you find it hard or what were the challenges yeah I found it really hard um but I also got the buzz for it and started to love it pretty much straight away really um the way that that company was run was quite I don't like the phrase boiler room but it was more of a bo- boiler room style sales okay. environment so it's just really fast paced really KPI driven yeah. yeah lots of outbound activity um lots of managers listening in on your calls while you're having them and then deconstructing them once they've happened if they didn't go to plan mm. um so as tough as it was i think it was a really great way to learn because mm. you were fully in at the deep end sure um and yeah i think that's really helped me in my career really definitely okay so um let's talk a bit about obviously leading up to you um leaving to join venetrix then so year two year three yeah what went on there then so then because i know obviously now your role is very much client focused so like when did this sort of that when did that transition happen so in the first few months of working at celsius i met elaine who is the founder of fenetrix yeah um she was really impressive and we got on pretty much straight away sure um she was in the in a transitional period where she was moving to london to open that office for them the in Celsius, london yeah, yeah yeah and then um they basically asked me if i wanted the opportunity to move to london with her and help set up the office okay um so i did that and then within about a year and a half my role changed from generating candidates to generating clients mm. and did you want that um did it just happen quite naturally? i actually really loved the candidate side really? of the job yeah a lot of people i think really want to get out of that and do bd quite quickly but i really loved it um at the time i think we needed more people reaching out to clients in london sure um and i remember elaine just kind of sat me down and was like right we've got a new um business development manager and i was like okay who is it and she was like it's you <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah and then that was pretty much it <laughs> okay so and then so that was um so that was what a year and a half in or yeah pretty so much you, so you moved to london a year and a half in yeah. Uh, no, I moved to London, I think, about three to four months in. Oh, three to four months in? Yeah. And oh, then wow. got And then my role changed. How was that then for you personally then? So went to uni in Manchester, living up there. Yeah. And then you just put all your eggs into, like, moving to London, recruitment career, like, just proper went for it. Did, like... Yeah. Just... Okay. Did you have... Did you, did, where did you grow up? Um, well, I was born in Liverpool. Okay. Grew up in uh, Papua New Guinea in West Africa. Really? Yeah. Okay. Then moved to Swansea in South Wales, then went to Manchester Uni and then moved oh, to London. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I've so where's home for you then? Uh, now my parents live in Southport, which is just outside of Liverpool okay. in the north. So that's home? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I haven't got any friends there because I didn't grow up there, yeah, but yeah, all sure. my family is northern, so they're all based okay. up there. Okay. So yeah, so like, just interesting because look, I've, I've done that myself and I think... Uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's it can be quite ballsy, right? Like I left I had left my friendship network and like stuff like that. So yeah. like that can be quite difficult, can't it? So you just went all in, three four months in, as you said, went into recruitment. Didn't even know that was an option. Was working at a burger bar previously, so it's like you just went absolutely love that. Yeah, That's cool. and then moved to London. Uh, pretty much all of my friends were living in Australia after university, really, or hadn't quite moved to London yet. So yeah. it was quite daunting. Yeah. And I think London can feel really lonely when you first move here and you don't know anybody and it's such a big city. Yeah. The weird, the weirdest thing for me is like, you're, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but like you're surrounded by so many people, yeah. but you can feel really lonely. Like you'll commute to work and you, that you'll just see so many people, but 
you could not speak to someone all day and like it's just yeah. a bit weird. it can be hard can't it um okay so move to london so you pretty much safe safe to say then you pretty much uh, had to build up the the london part of the business from scratch so we had clients that were had offices in london that sure. we worked with in the north um, and okay. then, yeah, we pretty much had to build it up from so scratch. You, so, yeah, what, what was so you you became the new business development manager then? What, yeah. what was the strategy like? Um, well, back then we didn't. There weren't as many cool SaaS slash technology companies <laughs> in central London. So we spent a lot of time booking meetings with companies in the home counties and traveling to those meetings to pitch our services and then convincing graduates that wanted to live in London to go and work in places like Reading because they were really? the only places that we had jobs. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. So the, I think the strategy then was just, um, it wasn't as niche as Venetrix. Yeah, sure. So the strategy then was pretty much any company that's hiring for junior salespeople, you need to cold call the decision maker or try and get past the gatekeeper. Obviously yeah. there weren't as many sales tools then as there are now to get sure. mobile numbers. Um, yeah. and book meetings and go and pitch the services and convince them to give us a go, basically. And you pretty much did that. Ever, you've been doing that ever since, pretty much? Uh, yeah, pretty much. So, <laughs> so let, let's, let's, just, um, let's just talk a bit about um, breaking that down a bit in terms of before you left for Venetrix, because I think, as I said to you before, a lot of the uh, topics that... Quite a common topic is business development. Yeah. So, like, I mean... You, you hadn't, I mean, that you just found yourself doing that role. So I'm sure you're like, well, okay, well, I'm going to have to crack on and just do this. So yeah. cold calling, trying to build relationships, getting the opportunity to pitch services. Like, how challenging was that? Um, I think it was really challenging. But again, I think that that shapes you into the salesperson that you become in the future sure. because you're on the front line of the business and you're handling every single possible, object, possible objection you could ever handle. Mm. Um, you're having to really kind of motivate yourself and use a lot of self-belief and resilience. So yeah. even though it's tough, I'm really glad I went through that because it's made me the salesperson yeah, that yeah, I am yeah, today, sure. I guess. Yeah. So how, how, how did you, um, with that then, so you mentioned there, resilience, become more comfortable with rejection. And like, I remember my... Yeah, I mean, when I when I saw so I started on the candidate side, and then when my uh, boss said, "Ah, oh, right, Hisham, I'm going to start sort of trying to build up your own desk now clients," mm. like absolutely shit my pants. Like when I was trying to do BD for the first <laughs> yeah. time, like I found it really difficult. So, how did you like? Did how did you start cultivating that resilience? Did it happen quite naturally? Did you learn from Elaine, or like what did you start doing that really enabled you to get better at taking on that rejection? And so massively learnt from Elaine really? she was really inspirational at the beginning of my career she still is but in learning how to do everything to do with recruitment really? okay. um we, it was it was quite hardcore so if we if I cold called somebody yeah. and they told me to get lost or hung up on me yeah. Elaine would be like right phone them back <laughs> and then I would literally have to phone the person really? back straight away and be like what, what would you say <laughs> Um, something along the lines of like, so I understand that you just hung up on me. I can't remember exactly <laughs> what I said, but just try and get them to, I think a lot of the techniques that we used back then were based around empathy. So sure. because our client base are typically salespeople because they're leaders of sales teams yeah, that yeah, need yeah, to yeah. hire junior salespeople. Um, a lot of it would be based around, um, if I was one of your graduate salespeople and somebody had just hung up the phone on me, what would you tell me to do? Wow, okay. Kind of thing. So like use that, yeah, use yeah. that to your advantage. So we did a lot of that. Um, wow. Yeah, and then you get to a point where you, you've you've been told to go away, you've been hung up on yeah. so many times that it doesn't affect you as much. And I think sure. a big thing for me is not worrying about the outcome of a conversation. Nice. Because if you go onto a call 
um, you know, feeling worried about the person picking up the phone or what yeah. they're going to say once they find out it's a recruiter. Um, that yeah. just ruins the call from the very beginning. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting insight, isn't it? Like sort of not having an outcome attached to like what you want to yeah, happen. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. then, yeah, you're right. You get in your head because you, you're wanting to know, well, you're wanting to feel like, right, how how can this call go as best as it can or how can it be successful? But you're better off than not just having an outcome attached to it, aren't you? Exactly, yeah. Because like what, for you, what, what do you, from your perspective, you could talk about now as well, but mm. what... What in your in your sort of um, your perspective, like what makes a successful business development call? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think first of all, getting through to a decision maker. Yeah. Because um, and it might be different for different types of recruitment, but for us, it's very driven around um, having the conversation with the right person from the get go. Sure. Um, so I think that's really important. I think. Um, a really confident opening mm. where you sound like really energetic. And yeah, I remember yeah. somebody said to me once that they really like dealing with salespeople that sound like they love their job. Mm. So sounding very positive. That goes a long way, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, especially when you're interrupting people's day. Exactly. And like, if you've got a bit of energy about you, enthusiasm, yeah, don't underestimate how important that yeah. is. <laughs> I think not waffling, getting to the point yeah. quickly. Um, I think you can build credibility by asking really good questions that aren't just are you recruiting based sure. more around their business um, and then not being scared to close it for commitment at the end. So making sure that... Well, so that as, like, as in that, so that could be anything from, let's book a... Look, you've told me this. I think it's fair to say that I'm someone that could probably help you. Let's book in a time to chat or like actually... Yeah. yeah. Well, for us, if they've got a requirement, it's always based around a face-to-face -face meeting. So okay. at the end, um, making sure that you agree a time and a date that they can meet you. Nice. I like that. Okay. Cool. And I think for me, what I had to get better at, and I'm sure you've got this proper nailed down now, but sort of early days, it can be quite difficult, but it's definitely worth just having like a bit of a solid spiel that you say. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. a solid personal pitch that if someone answers, it's like, bang, this is what I'm hitting them with. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And is that, from your experience, like I'm sure you've got that really nailed down now, is it typically like, look, this is, this is a cold call. We haven't spoken before, but typically I work with these types of business to help them this. How, I don't know, like, is it typically you just want to say, this, this is the problem that I solve, is this of interest to you, or do you have this problem sort of thing? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And again, because what we do is so niche, it's typically oh. based around placing SDRs into SaaS businesses. Um, and now because we've got so many clients in London, we can reference companies that are similar to the company that we're yeah, calling. Yeah, that massively helps, doesn't um, it? Yeah, and, and also because the SaaS industry is quite connected, we can normally reference people that the person that we're calling yeah. is connected to on LinkedIn or knows. Sure, sure. Okay, so um, quick uh, quick one then. So knowing what you know now, mm. what, what would you say to Sophie the new BDM manager, like, <laughs> knowing what you know now, what, what would be some of the things that you'd communicate to that person or people early on knowing what you know now, what would you say? Um, I think probably, so specifically around BD, yeah. to just know that not every call has to go well. I think mm. I used to get really um, like upset or, or stressed out if a call, if I knew a company was recruiting, but then the call didn't go well and I couldn't get them to meet me because I yeah. feel like it had failed. Yeah. Um, but I think a big thing is understanding that not every call is going to go well mm. and not every company is going to want to work with you, but that doesn't mean that you're not good at what you do. It's just the way that it is yeah, sometimes. That's, that's, that'd be, that's great. Yeah. Advice, I think. And I think people, especially um, clients, really appreciate resilience in a salesperson or, uh, or recruiter. Sorry, not, not resilience, persistence. Yeah. So 
uh, remembering that just because they've said no the first time doesn't mean that that's it that's it yeah yeah yeah, yeah I had a on the episode recently um he's a business owner and he sort of told his uh, trainees that when you get the first no like that's that's actually when the fun starts or like as in instead of just always just thinking about like you're talking about there always wanting every call to go perfectly if you get that first no he sort of said to his guys that well normally it takes about five no's to get a yes so like that yeah. first no is just okay now on to the next no and actually seek no's yeah do you know what i mean i think it's just a slight different way of looking at no's which massively helps yeah you know definitely what I mean? so, so that's interesting yeah um so how so um just to sort of wrap up your first first part of your recruitment career then so like so how did you do billions wise and stuff like the third like second or going into your third year like how did that all go then um so off the top of my head I can't remember the exact figures which is probably really bad I hold you against it but um fine. but I think yeah I think I did pretty well I think I'd done around 250k mm. by my second third year not fucking bad that's great you didn't know that that's good thanks <laughs> <laughs> so okay cool so Let's just talk about that for a sec. Um, yeah. So j- just two things before we talk about Venetrix and the journey there. Mm-hmm. Um, firstly, like, <clears throat> so from, so you said there, so was that your third year, did you say? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm assuming before, did you break the 200k mark before the, in the second year or not? I actually can't remember. That's cool. I know that's really bad. No, that's okay. <laughs> so so um, the reason why I'm harsh about this is something that I get quite a lot is Hisham, um, I build 150k, 180k under mm-hmm. the 200k mark. Basically, I'd love you to talk to people about how they broke that 200k mark because it can be quite. It, a lot of people may seem one, it's not reachable. Yeah. Two, I build 180k the last three years. Where the fuck am I going to get an extra 20, 50k mm. from? So, like, what what was your journey with that? Like, how yeah, how how was your experience in breaking that? So I think for me, I've always been very target driven. So once I set my mind on doing something, I make sure I do it. And um, when we used to get given targets at Celsius, I remember I'd always have my target and then I'd have the target that I wanted to do. Okay. And um, I would always have like a a like bit of paper on my desk yeah. with the ultimate figure at the top of it at nice. the beginning of each month and then each time I made a placement I would knock that money off knock it off nice. knock it off until I got down to zero so you could always see that as always yeah. visible so like having real short term visible yeah, yeah, yeah. targets so you, so you, in so place you, you always gave yourself like a and you do that at the beginning of the year I'm assuming like yearly target and then you'd break that down uh, yeah okay how did that help you then just Um, Because I think it reminds you every day of what you're... I think a big thing in recruitment sometimes is you can forget why you're doing what you're doing. And when when it gets tough, you can get kind of caught up in it and you can't really see the direction forward. So I think having that target next to you or somewhere where you can see mm. it on a day-to-day basis reminds you that that's what you're working towards. Yeah. And then every time you do place somebody and hit a bit, hit a bit of it off, it's like a little win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like that because I think, yeah, I mean, you hear that so much, don't you? Like breaking it down into... Because if you say, right, my tar- I'm giving myself a target of 300K, like at the yeah. beginning you might say, fucking hell, am I going to do that? But when you realise it's, yeah. I don't know, however much that is on a monthly basis and you're breaking it down each month, that's mm-hmm. really useful. So did you, would you like review that on a monthly basis? Or Yeah. Really? Yeah, definitely. And did you, just, just out of interest, as you said, in recruitment you can quite quickly forget, you can find yourself forgetting why you're doing it. Yeah. Like what did you attach? Obviously, yeah, you got your monetary target, but did you attach anything to that? Like, I don't know, if I hit that, that means I can 
get this or I don't know did you what was some of your whys around that um I think at the beginning of my career I just really liked being known as somebody that always hit their targets and always did well okay um, and we used to do, because the company was split over two locations, we used to do um, quarterly meetups where we'd all present our figures. Okay. And I think that used to really motivate me. because I Yeah, quite competitive. And I wouldn't want to be stood up there having not hit my target. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that company employed lots of other really good recruiters. Um, yeah. So I, I never so you wanted to be... didn't want to be, be bottom of the pack. No, exactly. I always wanted <laughs> to be top of the pack. Um, and then I also used to have like mini um, monetary things that I was working towards. Like in my first year, I really wanted to buy a Prada handbag. So <laughs> nice. when I got my first big commission check, I went and bought that. Yeah, and then so I... Like little things like that. Yeah, then that, I think that, I was that, saving that for to Thailand or something. Yeah, so... Like, would you say you're motivated by money? Yeah, really? definitely. Okay, that's interesting. Would you? Just, uh, no, <laughs> it's, no, it's it's just interesting. I, I've been on my own sort of journey with that. I think the reason why am I motivated by earning money? Yes, but I think um, if you were to say to me, right, Hisham, your target is 100k this year. Like for me to be really motivated by 100k, hitting 100k, um, I would need to understand personally what that's going to mean for me. And yeah. I just had to really work this out for myself. So my, I have a target first year in business to do 100k, right? Mm. And um, I made the decision not too long ago to invest in a coach and it's been great. And one of the things that we realized quite early on is I'm just not someone that's money motivated. Mm. Um, so for me, what I had to really break down was, right, so if I hit, if I make 100K in my first year, that means, what does that actually mean? Well, that means that I'm going to be able to um, really contribute to getting a place for me and my girlfriend so we have our own place yeah. and that means that I'm going to be able to take my parents away or whatever so I need to like for me I need to know what the fuck 100k means because I could just look at it on mm. a piece of paper and it wouldn't mean anything to me Yeah. and also I don't know if you've ever had this but when I got the biggest paycheck I'd ever had in mm. recruitment I remember getting like I was so excited by it and then the money hit my account and I remember looking at it like I just didn't feel anything <laughs> don't know if you ever had that but I I, I don't know yeah. it was just a really interesting moment for me where I was like really motivated by money at that point and when I actually got that the money I was like I just didn't feel any different mm. I don't know it was just an interesting insight for me yeah I, I know what you mean I think it's more the milestones that earning good money can help you achieve in yeah. your life as somebody who's in their mid to late 20s living in London which is yeah. obviously really expensive sure um so I think that's that's why where money money has really motivated me in my recruitment and working career. out that's what I mean it's like working out what those things are yeah you know exactly I mean? and that 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 definitely helps when you've been told to do one like 50 times a day do you know what I mean yeah. remembering that okay well actually if I keep one more now it could be one more no away from getting a yes which means mm. step. yeah um so biggest learnings then in Celsius and your sort of time there, mm -hmm. what, what would you say those were? Um, I think that in order to get the results, you have to put in the activity. Okay. Um, which going back to what I said earlier about it being a very KPI driven mm. environment, I think that um, in recruitment, obviously a big part of it is your skill mm. um, and your attitude. Sure. But then I also think sometimes there is an element of luck yeah. And you've got to um, give yourselves as many chances as possible to, 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 to get, get that, that luck yeah, on a day-to-day -day yeah. basis. Um, Definitely so, agree, you make your own luck, I think. Exactly. So I think that, yeah, just um, high volume of outbound activity gets results. And I think even now, if we're, you know, facing a week where we think, 
okay, maybe our client base looks like it could be drying up a little bit and we mm. might need to find another company to invite to the assessment center. We just always take it completely back to basics and think, right, these are the companies we need to call. These are the number of decision makers we need to speak to to book this many meetings to get this many clients on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Cool. So Elaine went off to um, start Venetrix. Yeah. Right. And then you just to set the scene. So um, and then you uh, joined Venetrix uh, a couple of months in. Yeah. To them starting. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then you've been here now for four and a bit years okay cool um and venetrix now so it's a bit more niche that what you do yes yeah so when we so when venetrix started um elaine and i were really conscious that we didn't want to create another version of the company that we'd worked for sure, before sure. wanted to do it a bit different i think everyone starts a recruitment business exactly like that, right? had the had the dream of we want to do something that's different yeah, and, yeah. and doesn't feel like just another recruitment company because obviously it is a saturated um industry um and i think that we were quite fortunate in the sense that when we did start venetrix was around the time when all of the um west coast american software companies started opening their doors in london okay. and lots of um SaaS businesses were emerging that had vc funding it's a real great um, opportunity exactly so when we first when we first started the company i remember my first day um, doing BD, I booked a meeting um, with a guy called Mark Wright, and he won't mind me telling the yeah. story. He worked for a company called Impact Radius. Okay. Um, went to the meeting, and we obviously had no clients, not really any candidates. Yeah. Managed to convince him to um, agree to work with us at a really, really discounted fee. Yeah. And then he was basically looking for three people, um, mm. and then we got loads of applications for the roles. Yeah. Um, so then Elaine and I broke it down and thought, right, why do all of the candidates want to work for this type of company specifically? Nice. And then we realized it was because it was a SaaS company that had funding, that had a really cool office, lots of growth opportunities, could pay a high basic salary. So then we basically decided to form Venetrix on that. On that, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So because I've had a couple of questions recently on sort of how people have sort of identified um, their niche. Mm -hmm. And that's quite interesting how that happens. So yeah. instead of deciding that this is going to be, this is what we're going to focus on, this is going to be our niche, you've actually took the context of, okay, wow, so we won this client. It's um, Clearly there's something that people are interested in here. Yeah. Let's just focus on that. Yeah. So the, so the focus since then has been so SDR. So is that like entry level sales positions within SaaS companies? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's all grads. Um, Typically. majority are grads, but we do place people with experience from time to time. Really? But it's very junior experience. Sure, sure. So like they might have done a year in recruitment, for example, or okay. a different type of sales. So since then, so since then, um, that's what you've been focusing on. And your role has always been client development. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, cool. So how did you find transitioning then from, because Venetrix, I'm assuming at that point was a proper startup. Yeah. How's that for you? I think there was like one other employee, um, no So you alone, one other person no in the room, clients. starting from scratch, no candidates, clients. Yeah, exactly. What was that like? Um, I think it was really exciting, to be honest really? with you. Yeah, I've always had a lot of belief in Elaine um, okay. and me as a team. And I've kind of always known that whatever we put our minds to, we will be able to do it eventually, even though there will be hiccups along yeah, the way. Yeah. So it just felt really exciting um mm. and it was quite it was quite um refreshing to actually start from scratch and mm. kind of 
think, right, we've got a blank canvas, we can make this whatever we want it to be. Mm. Um, and again, because we decided that what we wanted to do was going to be quite niche, it made the actual process of doing business development. Yeah, I was going to say that myself. Yeah, quite focused because so we were yeah, focused. only looking at a specific type of company. So let's just talk a bit about, just break down a bit about the sort of strategy and how you executed. So that happened quite organically, that yeah. experience that you just said. So then after that, when you're like, hang on a minute, this is a huge opportunity. Like what, what was the client acquisition strategy out of interest? Um, so as much as it was focused around um, software companies, mm. it was very much um, just phone everyone. <laughs> and the pitch. But was it, like, was it just London, uh, obviously London based? Um, yeah, just, just London based. And how did you get, like, how did you know who's, like, as in, did you just go on LinkedIn like look at all the, I don't know, I'm sure you just search, did clever searches, but yeah, like, how did, did you get? We did lots of like um, fast growth company lists um, okay. and like the Deloitte Fast 50 and all yeah, that so like kind just of used all the resources out there. Exactly, yeah. And then um, just tried to get people's mobile numbers. Really? Um, Lusher. We used Lusher, yeah. I had mental that tool, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I get really mixed reviews about it, but I found it such a great tool for BD. So anyway, it's, it's meant been mentioned a couple of times on um, the podcast now, but so Lusher quite, I never used it, but mm. Lusher quite simply is a tool that can enable you to get people's numbers and you like, it's like a credit for, Yeah. is that how it works? Um, so you buy credits on a monthly basis. It's really not expensive yeah. at all. And then every time you request a mobile number, it takes a credit off you. And it's from a link. So like I could be on the Sophie Allen's LinkedIn profile. Exactly, and it's a plug-in. And could you be connected? Uh, you, don't you don't need to be connected. Really? But sometimes you will phone people and they're like, oh my God, this is the 10th time someone's phoned me today yeah, asking yeah, yeah, for this yeah, yeah. person. It's not their number. How accurate is it? Um, I would say probably seven out of 10. Really? Correct. It's not bad, is it? Yeah. That is mental. But I, I was speaking to somebody about this the other day. I don't know if that's because the people that we're calling, because they're salespeople, cool. yeah. are more likely to have their data online. Whereas if you're targeting people just a bit more, re who are already a bit more reluctant to Yeah, like, then it might yeah, not yeah, be yeah, as yeah, accurate. Yeah. Okay, um, so, so yeah, so that's really interesting. So mapped out the market essentially, identified who are other companies like, do you say um, Radius? It's called Impact Radius. Impact Radius, yeah. sorry. Who, what other businesses are like theirs, uh, theirs and then you just started just smashing out the phone basically. Exactly, yeah. And our pitch very much then was give us a chance. Really? Yeah, we won't let you and down. How, how did you find that? Because it's really interesting that, because I think, I sit down with business owners and people like you and I think um, it's actually surprising how many people are willing to help at the early stage. Yeah. Like people actually like, I found it quite a lot that people like, well actually so if you know what, I'm, I'm happy to back you. I think yeah. you can help me and it's interesting, like how did you find that? Like mm. were people willing to give you a chance? Um, yeah, they were. I think again, because the people that we're selling to are salespeople, they've nine times out of 10, they've been in the position that, yeah, you are. We, that we were in now and that we were in back then. Yeah. So they appreciate the kind of tenacity and the desire to do a good job for a client and they're mm. inclined to give you a chance and help you. Mm. So how was that first year then? Um, you right? So it was actually really interesting because okay. we managed to win a big contract with a company in New York. Really? Um, even though we'd never recruited in the US before yeah. um, we had a company that took on I think it was 12 people from us in London yeah. um, and then they said that they needed the same project delivering in New York um, and then in Boston okay. so, and we managed to we were up against um, another one of our competitors but we managed to win it 
Um, so that was pretty crazy because then before we knew it, we were on a plane to New York <laughs> hoping that 40 graduates would turn up to an assessment centre. <laughs> so I think, I think that's one of the really cool and great things around joining a smaller growing business is opportunities like that. Yeah. Because shit like that can just happen, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like you have the opportunity to be agile and be like, you know what? Yeah, we are actually, you know what, we'll do that. Yeah. Back ourselves to do that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. So for you, so the whole of, um, so the whole of time, it's been your job to uh, clients, build relationships, et cetera, right? Yeah. So ha- out of interest, because <clears throat> it's come up quite a few times now, let's just focus on the, the business development piece. Like how, what's your mindset towards, like if you win a new client relationship, you sign terms, is is your mindset, right, okay, um, perfect, on to the next one? Or is it, right, the fun starts here, how can we maximise this client relationship? So when we get the terms signed, um, we don't invoice any money until the candidate's actually started. So the kind of journey doesn't end there with the client. Um, But because the companies that we recruit for are growing really quickly, we always want to make sure that they're not just going to take one person from us, that they're going to use us as they continue to grow. Um, So yeah, we try and do as much as we can to maximize every account and make every client feel really special Mm. um, and really enjoy working with us. Anything like the reason I'm asking is because I think that's where, again, coming back to the question of um, billings and maximizing those, it's come up quite a few times where typically, um, recruiters can be prone to like right perfect one that client yeah they need to get a new client new client new client whereas the advice has come up quite a lot where actually if you've got a bank of 20 30 clients are you getting as much out of those as possible like could you so that x client is paying you last year paid as x how could we get that into 50 grand rather than 20 grand you get what i mean yeah so i think um for us because like i said the company's growing quickly normally they're taking on a lot more than just one person Um, and because the because we run an assessment day every Wednesday and our clients quite often will come to the assessment day, we get lots of touch points with them face-to-face, yeah, um, which nice. really helps. And mm. then in terms of maximizing each account, that's something that we're looking at doing this year in establishing our senior division a bit more mm. um, so that we can work on other vacancies that aren't just SDR. Yes, yeah, so like how you can ex- expand the accounts basically yeah. rather than... Yeah. Cool. What, and then your, your mindset towards clients now mm. like um had a chap on in, in the past that was really interesting and he was someone that was really good at business development and his sort of his sort of advice was like typically a lot of recruiters may sort of view I haven't gone into like how you structure a day which we'll go into because it's a really common question but I think what was really interesting what he said was typically let's say that in your Monday to Friday your week you've decided that on Tuesday 10 till 12 and Thursday 10 to 12 you're going to mm. do business development right um, and that your mindset going into those sessions is right I'm doing business development now yeah whereas for him the mindset shift that he's had is quite quite subtle but it's just had a huge impact is for him you're always doing new business like yeah you're always doing obviously you're in just a fully business development role but mm. is that very much your mindset this you're always doing it's always new business everything that you're doing is like right new business like business development yeah absolutely mm. definitely okay um, how do you structure your days now out of interest? Like, is <laughs> um, it pretty rigid or like, how do you typically structure your day? So I would love to say that it's really rigid, but it's not. Um, really? I try and do, yeah, it, it kind of all depends what's going on that week because we do assessment days and lots of events and also we run sales training. Um, 
the weeks are quite busy and mm. because what we do is so fast-paced in the sense that we're placing people that typically don't have jobs into entry-level jobs so the sales cycles are quite short yeah. the environment is quite reactive because there's um every day there's interview feedback to take job yeah, offers yeah, yeah. to make conversations so is it to be quite hard to like be like right days. 10 to 12 i'm doing this That's yeah it. But I'll always do, I've always got a list of companies that I'm chasing. And when I get in in the morning, the first thing that I'll do is dial out to all of those people to try and have as many conversations as I can. And then I do do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn as well. Really? Yeah. Um, just a quick one, because I was I wrote it down when um, I was preparing for this. Like, how have you found recruiting for grads? So I, I was in a uh, session uh, last week, actually. Mm. Um, and we were do, when we were doing the sort of part of the exercise that I do with them, thinking about their clients and candidates. And one of the challenges that they found their clients had that we were mapping out was the snowflake generation. Yeah. You heard this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, just out of interest, just curious, like what's... Obviously, look, we're both young people. Like, you went to uni. Like, what? Mm. how are you found, finding the the grads or like I don't know how how do you find typically that people lot say that oh, they don't, they're not as resilient and things like that mm. like what what's been your experience in well I think I think for us um when I first started doing this type of recruitment yeah. like I said before sales was a much less desired profession to get into so mm. people it felt to me like people changed their minds a lot more and were a bit more flaky whereas now I think because the jobs that we recruit for are truly the best in the market if you want to get into if you want to be an SDR and you want to work yeah. in SaaS. Um, I find the candidates more committed. Fair enough. I think um, obviously they're young people and yeah. uh, it can it can be challenging because they can you know change their minds no or not really know what they want to do. But then in the same breath, it's also really rewarding because you're genuinely helping people start yeah. their careers. Yeah, I think that's a really cool thing and sort of what you've been involved in is. I'm sure there's loads of people that you helped, I don't know, four years ago, two years oh, ago, yeah. where they're now like sales managers or whatever. So that must be really cool to see yeah. from afar. And I feel a bit sorry for them because I think they get a bad press with all this kind of snowflake I mean, generation yeah. stuff. I think it's just reflective of the world changing. Yeah. Not necessarily well, so you that can't, they are. You obviously can't generalise. There will be people that yeah, exactly. maybe aren't as resilient, but I think yeah. definitely unfair to... Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, okay, cool. So um, last year then, so that was so that's last year was your third or fourth year, was it? In at Benetrix. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Fourth year. Yeah. So how let's break down how you how you've done then because you've had to build up this mark from scratch. It seems like yeah. you've been super proactive, recognised an opportunity early on, and then since then you've just been absolutely hammering it, building relationships, getting more credibility, having more success. Yeah. So, like, how did you do last year, personally? In terms of billings? Yeah. Um, so, I did 560. Okay. Um, in total. Mm. And, yeah, it was and a really... And that's all perm, right? Yeah. Let's talk about it for a second. That's what like, do you mean? That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do the year before? Oh, God, I should have looked at this before. <laughs> what, like, was four, it under... No, it was, like, 450 the year before. So, an extra 100K, pretty much? Yeah. And then my target this year is 600. So what did you do in the first year then? Like 300? At Benetrix? Yeah, like... Uh, yeah, around that. Really? Fucking hell. That's mental. So the, so the reason why I'm reacting like that... So this is interesting, right? So I get to sit down with people like you on this podcast. Yeah. Now, you... When, like... So obviously you get access and see billings within your four walls, right? You yeah. only get to see, like, what, like, oh, yeah, what yeah, there yeah. are people in your four walls. Makes like, sense, so, yeah. So I've had quite a few messages recently, like, Hisham, I built this much this year. 
like I know how that compares to like my peers, but mm. like, do you have any idea how that compares with the market stuff like that? So that the reason why I'm reacting like that is because I did a post not too long ago on sort of people asking me that question just because I'm in this sort of unique position now where I get to sit down with people you and talk about how your success is stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I think it's really interesting that you can only or you only have access to what's within your four walls. And what came out of this post anyway in the comment section stuff like that. I'm not a rhetoric, so but a lot of people said that if you're in per, uh, perm villa and you're doing 200 plus 250k plus, yeah, you're, that scene is like a really you're doing really well, yeah, right. So let's just talk about that for a second because I think that's a lot of people. You saying that you may not realise it, but. A lot of people may listen to that and go, fucking hell, how has she done that? Like, mm. a lot of people may think that's not achievable, right? right? And I've quoted quite a few t- times now, but I think it's so powerful. Is like, again, coming back to, like, you only have access to what's in your four walls. Like, you can only be what you see. Yeah. So people around you might be doing those numbers, and you're like, yeah, well, this is, I'm just competing. I don't want to be at the bottom of the pack. Like, yeah. this is what I've got to do to be at the top, right? So... What, has, what do you think has really enabled you to just continue building on that? Because that, that's, that's really impressive. So, like, how have you yeah. continued to increase that? So, I think, I think number one, our model um, really lends itself to be able, being able to bill a lot of money. Because it's high volume. Because it's high volume. Yeah. And because we run an assessment centre every single week. Mm. Um, and because of where we're at as a business now, and we've got so many clients that want access to our candidates. Yeah. Each week, we've got the opportunity to probably place about 20 jobs. Yeah, it's not bad. That's not um, bad yeah, happen, which is, is um, so I think the model definitely really helps. Mm. Um, we also uh, sponsor an event called Sales Confidence, yeah. which you may, oh, that's yeah, where yeah, we that's, last that's week. Where we, yeah, right. Um, and that's really helped us establish our brand in the marketplace and also generate uh, lots of clients. Mm. So I think that's definitely helped. Okay. Um, but then from a personal standpoint, I think... Um, it goes back to that high volume of activity thing. Mm. Um, I think, you know, making sure you're having lots of conversations on a day-to-day basis. What, what's the, I feel like you you know what's like a good number to aim for each day. What Just, just break that down a bit, some more granular details. Like if you were to look back on your day, what what, what, would, what would make you feel like, you know, I've had a really cracking day today. Like how many conversations and stuff are you aiming to have on a daily basis? Um, so again, it's different now than what it used to be because now as well we get lots of inbound leads so yeah. it's not as much of a um cold yeah, yeah, sure, environment sure, sure, sure. um but I, I think we used to target on something like 50 decision makers a week yeah so trying to trying to get so to speak to, to 50 decision to, makers to, a week. to speak to yeah 10 decision makers a day yeah nice and then that could be like 50 calls to yeah, get I 10 mean, decision if, makers to speak to yeah, you yeah if you're having 10 conversations a day with decision makers you're, yeah. you're gonna give yourself the best possible chance of making money there aren't you mm-hmm. Okay. And just to add a bit more to that point, I think also a big thing at Venetrix and definitely something Elaine's taught me is to never cut corners. So mm. we have a process that feels quite rigid to candidates and clients sometimes, um, but it really works. Mm. And we get everybody to buy into us and then stick to our process. Mm. And that gets the best results for the candidates, the clients, and then also for Venetrix. Nice. So that process is, I'm sure, enables you to qualify people out. Exactly. Really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that means that what you've got really slick at is um, working and building relationships with people that value what you do and are bought into the process, which means that more chance you're going to make places yeah, and exactly. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, okay. How have you, I was just looking at um, a question here. Like I feel like obviously with what you do every Wednesday grads, um, 
like it, would it be f- i might just be making a wrong assumption here but mm. that a lot of people may if you're in that sort of environment like could make that quite transactional or just keep yeah. it quite transactional so like how how have you gone about ensuring that it is in a transactional relationship mm. with the people that you're working with with the candidates yeah candidates or clients um well with the candidates we train them once we place them so we get the opportunity to see them throughout their first year and check in with them go for drinks with them Mm. offer them additional support Mm. um we also see lots of our candidates and clients at the sales confidence event that i mentioned so that gives us the opportunity to have loads of facetime with them and a lot of a lot of my clients for example don't really feel like clients because we like whatsapp each other all the time send like funny gifts or whatever so So, so I'm, i'm not just speaking to so for the recruiter, when I need 10 grads to, it's more than that, right? Yeah, you, exactly. You've got a relationship yeah. um, Okay. So uh, I think you mentioned this to me at the sales confidence event, actually, when we just spoke briefly and introduced, mm. got introduced to you. But you mentioned now around inbound leads. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of that's what referrals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, you guys do quite a bit on LinkedIn. Yeah. How impactful has that been? Um, I think that's completely changed our business. Really? Yeah, 100%. Um, How so? Because I think that it gives you that human element mm. where people don't just think you're a recruitment company. Um, like we've got a lady called Tara Jackson that yep. works at Benetrix. Yeah. Um, and she um, is only about two years into her recruitment career. But when we go to events, people go up to her and they're like, oh, my God, are you that girl from LinkedIn? <laughs> um, because she does so much video content, so many pictures. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really helped because it, number one, it gets your content out there because sure. people view it, share it, like it. Um, but then it also enables uh, people looking from the outside to get to know you and realize that we're just people yeah yeah and that sounds really simple but obviously it's what i do now but like 90 percent of recruiters they don't look human online yeah. it is mental um mm. but i think what we do as well has a very human element to it because it's placing graduates into their first job mm. in sales companies um which you know is quite like an emotional decision for the company and for the client yeah, so yeah, i think yeah. that helps us as well yeah that's interesting. And then, so what, what about your own personal journey with that? Have you, have you, how have you found it putting loads of content out there? I didn't, I didn't actually look at if that's something that you do quite a lot. Is that something that you do personally quite a lot as well? Um, yeah, not? I don't do it as much as the team that generate the candidates. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that, um, you know, if we're trying to push a specific job or if I'm trying to yeah. um, get more clients on board, doing something like a video you do feel quite exposed yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. more people are doing it now so I don't know if it's having as much impact as it did yeah, yeah, yeah. you know maybe a year or so ago it's definitely I mean for me it's definitely not like for me it's that plus trying to have 10 conversations with decision makers a day do you know what I mean it's definitely not yeah or. it's about combining the both yeah but the the great thing about that is if you are a bit more visible online then you get through that decision maker there might be more of a chance that oh actually yeah Sophie I've seen some of your stuff and that massively yeah. helps right yeah exactly and we get lots of inbound leads from companies that say they've seen various videos that the guys have done on LinkedIn yeah, yeah um yeah. and they kind of get to know the personality of the company and then they think oh we'd actually like to hire candidates that are similar to those people yeah yeah sure so that really helps um so something i was just interested thinking about um asking you was so obviously as we know you've been you're complete focused on clients so like yeah. how 
how have you so then I'm assuming then some of your colleagues just focus on candidates like delivery right so it's bit, so is that fair it's a bit of like a 180 model pretty much um, yeah, so as people progress through Venetrix, they right. get given uh, relationships to look after. Okay, cool. And then they start to learn how to do business development. But right. it's, um, yeah, it's mainly as a 180 model. Yeah, nice. What, um, how have you found, what's like, so I've sat down with a lot of people that um, are doing that really well or are thinking about it or really transitioned to it. Or, yeah, so like how... How, what are some of the sort of learnings there on ensuring that that's really successful? So I guess what I'm trying to get at is you just delivering on clients, like it's going to be really important that your guys deliver, right? So like how important is the communication internally if you're just dealing mm. with the clients and then they're dealing with the candidates for your clients, which that's your reputation, it's their reputation. So yeah. Like how, yeah, how have you found, like how does that work and how, yeah? Well, there's only 10 of us okay. and we are in a we work office, which everyone knows aren't the biggest. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're pretty much around each other all day, every day. Fair and um, we do, I'd say we have really good communication. So we do, nice. whenever we get a new job on, we'll, whoever got the job, we'll like pitch it to the team, get nice. everybody really excited about it. Um, we have lots of conversations where we go through every single job that we've got and every single candidate that we've got and make nice. sure that we haven't missed any matches where we could be arranging interviews. Mm. And then do you have like a... Um, a conversation I recently is like again back to you you saying you have a really strict process they have a they have that model as well and they have like a really like strict process on like if you take on a job and I sit down with the delivery person like I've got go I've got to have all the correct information like so there's a really strict process in between you telling me about a job and me finding out about your job yeah exactly is that pretty slick as well yeah it's really slick yeah, yeah. so that's important right yeah um Okay, cool. So a couple of last things before we finish. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to get your thought, because obviously now like, there's 10 of you, and I'm sure, as you said, that you're just saying there that how people can progress and they can get to do more business development, stuff like that. From your perspective now, fair to say that you're a pretty seasoned business development person. Like, yeah. What are some of the sort of, I know we've spoken um, a bit about them earlier on, but sort of to round it all off really, like, what are some of the sort of common things you see in the people around you or have seen that you think prevent them from... Um, doing really well at business mm. development that you picked up on? So I think it's really easy to feel like when something goes wrong, it's the end of the world. Yeah, so true. Um, so I spend a lot of time saying to the team, um, or Elaine has said it to me many times as well, like, just remember, this is only a job. <laughs> and if that client doesn't want to meet you, it doesn't matter. It's not life or death. So yeah. I think being able to like really lift yourself out of the situation and not let the hard times get you down mm. um, is a big one. I think um, another thing, going back to the whole process thing, mm. when things don't work out, when we break down, have they followed the process enough? Were they engaged with the decision maker? Did yeah. they ask all the right questions on the call? You'll often find when it does go wrong, something's been missed. So mm. I think making sure that people um, stick to the formula that works for their business and, sure. in achieving results. I like that. So that leads me quite nicely into what I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on was, um, so obviously your first point there around what you're talking about there is sort of mindset, perspective, and getting better at the understanding that, okay, that was just a no, it's not the end of the world. Like mm. what, how, like, is it fair to say that obviously how, what's your journey been with sort of mindset really? Because recruitment's mm -hmm. difficult, right? Yeah. Especially in doing what you do and just obviously... Um, building relationships, uh, doing a lot of that sometimes for the first time. Like, how have you become better at managing your own sort of stress yeah. and mentality and ensuring you're always sort of at top performance? 
So I think in the first few years, it didn't really affect me because it was very much a new experience. Yeah, it was yeah, very yeah, exciting yeah. and kind of maybe I felt like I was on a bit of a roll with it. But mm. definitely when we started Fenetrix mm. and um, I felt a lot of responsibility to generate all these clients yeah, and yeah, yeah. to keep the business kind of ticking along, it, I def it definitely let it get to me and had mm. lots of moments where I felt really stressed Um sometimes felt like it was too much and maybe you know I didn't know if I could do it anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing um but I think you like the more difficult times you go to the more easy it is to kind of brush them off because oh, you've totally, been yeah. through that situation before um and I think just remembering sorry to repeat myself but it is okay. just a job and yeah, yeah. no one's gonna die kind <laughs> of thing. no I know I know it sounds like I get that I think that's a completely that is a great way to think about it sometimes mm. it's like right, okay, I've had a shit day today, but like, yeah, as you said, all, all the people I care about are still alive. Like, yeah. like, do you know what I mean? And you, I think that is a good place to go sometimes when yeah. you feel like, oh my God, I'm not sure I could do this anymore. Like, yeah. um, Obviously, if you're consistently not hitting your target, then maybe you need to ask yourself, <laughs> is, is it the right job for you? Yeah, but yeah, if, yeah. You, you know, if you have a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot worse things going on in the world that you yeah. can be worrying about than that. Yeah, because I always... Um, and then also just just to sort of touch on that is is that sort of some of the things that you said so one of the questions that i'm looking at is sort of yeah mental health stress within recruitment managing especially like from your perspective now you're quite experienced as you said you've probably had quite a few moments where like this is tough but now you can you know you've got through them yeah whereas people quite early on are more junior they haven't got that to lean on do you know what i mean yeah so like are you yeah, talking are you talking to people about look, I've been in your shoes, it is going to be okay and sort of have those sorts of conversations with people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We have a phrase at Benetrix that one of my colleagues, George, always says, we go again. So if something like bad happens, we just go, we go again. <laughs> <laughs> and then we um, just kind of move on. That, that's awesome. I love that. Um, cool. So um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions on resilience Yeah. Um, because of the event that um, I have coming up. But before I do, um, how... Obviously, you've been in recruitment now. I mean, you're going towards like a decade, right? Uh, a bit less, but yeah. <laughs> but as you're like going towards it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, how how do you see recruitment changing from your perspective? Like, what, what do you find? How do you think recruitment is changing? Or how do you think recruitment is going to look in the next couple mm. of years out of interest? So I think a great thing about working in recruitment is that companies are always going to need to hire good people. Sure. Um, and I think a lot of people say like, oh, are you worried that the robots are going to take over and yeah, people yeah. aren't going to need recruiters anymore? But I think it is a very human form of sales. For sure. Um, and because it's a service-based industry, I think that people are always going to want those person-to-person -person interactions. Mm. Um, so I think it will just get bigger and better, to be mm. honest. I think so. Um, okay, cool. So a couple of questions on resilience um, and then we'll finish quite quick isn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um sophie what what does resilience and recruitment mean to you not worrying about the outcome mm, i like that how how has the importance or need for resilience changed as the industry's evolved what do you mean so how how has one the importance of resilience mm. um or need for resilience yeah changed as the industry has changed. It's, it's quite different now, right? From mm. maybe when you started. So I guess what I'm trying to just ask you is, um, how do you think, has resilience changed or the need for resilience changed or has the type of resilience changed as mm. things have changed? Um, 
I don't think so, to be honest. Okay. I think um, you're always going to need resilience in any type of sales role. Mm. Um, and maybe it's different types of resilience as industries change. But I think in, yeah, I don't think it has changed mm. that much. Okay. And what what can people do themselves to instill instill resilience in them or their teams? Um, so I think I think it's really important, like I said, to remember that it's just a job. Yeah. Not be too worried about the outcome mm. all of the time. Mm. Um, and then I think you're more resilient in work when you look after yourself outside of work as well. Nice, yeah. Because it puts you in a better mental state for the day. And then when the bad things happen, they don't hit you as hard. So mm. uh, not to sound like a cliche, but things like getting lots of sleep, going to the mm. gym, um, having a healthy lifestyle outside of work really help me with my like mental state and my attitude when I'm in work. Nice, awesome, love that. So uh, before I ask you the final question, what what is Sophie excited about? in 2020 and beyond what, what do you want to shout about what are you excited about mate <laughs> so i'm really excited about our partnership with sales confidence yeah. um because like i said that's helped us generate a lot of clients yeah. um and we sponsor the event now so we um get to go to all of the events have our name out there we get mm. shout outs um yeah you definitely got a shout out on the from one, right? clients from the guy that runs it yeah so that's always really exciting mm. Um, I'm really excited about Venetrix establishing its senior division mm. so that we can capitalize even more on our relationships. Are you going to be actively involved in that? Um, yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Um, we are hiring for people with recruitment experience at the moment, nice. just to drop that in there. Yeah, cool. Um, so, yeah, definitely really excited about that. Mm. Um, and then I think, again, excited about the unknown because it's a startup and because. Um, things happen and we can take on pretty much any challenge I'm excited for the things yeah, awesome. that we don't haven't planned for that are going to happen this year yeah I think uh, yeah I think you've been on an awesome journey so far so mm -hmm. it's going to be it's good. excited to see how it all uh, evolves um, so look final question um, you can answer this question with a phrase a word sentence whatever comes to mind but um, <laughs> if Sophie could communicate to every single recruiter out there they'd listen they'd take on your advice, they'd implement it tomorrow. Mm. What would you say to the people? It's a tough job, um, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> so it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions would love me to cover with future guests then please get in touch with me best place to get me is on linkedin just search hishimazoos and drop me a message i would love to hear from you finally if you have two minutes it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an honest review for the podcast it will simply mean that i can reach more people with this podcast you can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash rollercoaster. Thank you again for listening.